So tonight's <coughs> speaker meeting, and uh, it's uh, Matt is speaking, and I appreciate him saying yes. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about him. A real short thing is that uh, I, when I was in early sobriety, at least for a few years, I had two home groups. Really, I'd go to a 7 a.m. at Bridge to Shore because of a variety of ailments, mainly uh, insomnia. It was really helpful to go to a 7 a.m. meeting, and then I would come here every day at noon. So I had two home groups, which was great. I could uh, act like I was doing really well in one and then not well in the other. That kind of like covered all the bases of uh, being honest. And uh, But uh, for, for me, it was uh, helpful to always... Uh, you know, I would in AA we hear people before we get to know them, and uh, you know I had a sponsor, but I always had a bunch of like secret sponsors. These are people that would uh, their shares would always resonate with me, and I learned a lot from them if they shared often. And Matt did uh, to a degree, and it was always succinct and, and to the point as far as what I needed to hear. So that's why I asked him to speak tonight. Thank you. How's everybody doing? Oh, my name's Matt. I am alcoholic. Yes. And I am grateful to be sober today. And um, this time, I last drank on December 2nd of 2001, um, which is a goddamn miracle. That is for sure. It's uh, unbelievable. Um, I want to give thanks to my fellow Bridge to Shore guys and gals. You know, it just warms my heart um, to see you guys here. It's a big deal, you know, and it gives me comfort. And it, and it, it is part of, the, of this program, the fellowship, that really makes this thing work. And um, my home group, as Steve mentioned, is the 7M Bridge to Shore group, and it's been that way for... For quite some time now, Boldenet was actually the 5.30 meeting. It was my home group for a number of years, and so I, I, I've got a connection to this group. And, there, and actually, I had, uh, had a little something with Francine before uh, I came over here, and we were just yakking up a storm about all these people that come in and out of here. And it's just a beautiful thing. You know, I just feel so goddamn lucky, man. It's just, it is amazing, that is for sure. Um, uh, let me see. So, um, I think I want to start a little bit. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start in the present for just a second, and the and the people um, at the 7 a.m. meeting know this stuff. And I've had a really tough two weeks, um, but it's also been incredibly um, humbling. It's been. Um, fulfilling. It's also been um, a lot of sadness. It's just a shitload of emotions that go into it. My daughter, my middle daughter, Shelby, uh, struggles with anxiety, depression, and, um, and alcoholism. And uh, I took her for an assessment um, a couple weeks ago and um, went back after the assessment and she is willing to do this deal, you know? And it just 
fuck, I'm just filled with gratitude, you know. I don't, I don't want her to be a statistic, you know. Um, I just love saying this. Uh, you know, there's no middle of the road for me in this program, and, and I believe it's probably going to be the truth with Shelby, especially with the mental health, you know. It's, it's that locked up, boxed up, or get sober, you know. And there's just no gray area there for me. And I'm afraid that may be the same way with Shelby, you know, and so I'm going to, I get to go out there and visit her um, <coughs> tomorrow. Um, and, you know, it's just hard to, to wrap your head around this beautiful child that you've raised, you know, that she's going through this kind of pain, you know. <clears throat> so anyway, I've got a heavy heart, and it, this is really good for me when Steve called me, um, when was that Saturday, I guess, when he first asked me I mean, my first inclination is, fuck no. I don't like <laughs> no way, man. Um, but, you know, it, it, it took about two seconds of clarity to say yes. I, yes, please, you know, get me out of my fucking self, you know. So I'm grateful, you know, that you would ask. It came at the right time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be, you know. And, and um, I just couldn't be more grateful for that. Um, so anyway, with all that said, um, I wanted to, I'm going to read from the big book quite a bit. I hope that's cool with everybody. I, I don't know. I mean, it's my text, you know. I don't know if I believe everything in it, but I do believe most of it. And, um, you know, there was a page when I, when I first got sober. And I will, um, I'll go through that. But there was a page, and I and I read, and I'm and the people in the 7 a.m. meeting. I mean, if I, I'm, I know I'm going to bore you to death with this shit because you hear it all the time. But you know, page 21 was the page that that just stuck out to me the first time I came into this room, man. And because it, it I'll, I'll read a little bit, and, and I will, and it still resonates to this day. Um, but what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may may or may not become a continuous hard drinker, but some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. Check. Here's the fellow who has been puzzling you, especially in the, his lack of control. Check. I mean, it, this was crazy when I read this shit. I mean, it's like, what in the world? He does absurd, incredibly tragic things while drinking. Check. He is a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And that was me for sure, man. I was fucking batshit crazy. Um, he is seldom mildly intoxicated, and that was me for sure. You know, I never drank. I mean, I, from the age of 14 until 37, it was gonzo, man. It was not about social drinking. I mean, I just... Anyway. Um, his disposition while drinking resembles his, resembles his normal nature, but little check. He may be one of the finest fellows in the world. I don't know about that, so I'm not going to, I don't know. Uh, yet let, let him drink for a day and he frequently, frequently becomes disgustingly, even dangerously antisocial. Oh yeah, that's me for sure. He has a positive genius for getting tight at exactly the wrong moment, particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. Check. Big check. He is often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor. 
But in that respect, he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. Check. He often possesses special abilities, skills, and aptitudes and has a promising career ahead of him. And that was also checked. And I read that because I, I just identify with that page so much. And when I first came into this program, I read that and it just kind of you know, reeled me in and hooked me, you know, because there wasn't in, anything in that sentence that didn't pertain to me. You know, it was crazy. So anyway, with all that said, you know, I, uh, I was raised in Dallas, Texas. Um, I had, uh, you know, loving parents. I had a, a brother and a sister. Um, and I say loving parents. You know, I've done some work, actually recently, outside help. You know, and I have discovered things, and I've always known about it, but it's kind of come to the forefront, you know. And, and my dad was a, was a rageaholic, you know, and I witnessed him beat my, my brother often. Um, and um, in addition to that, and I'm not making excuses for my alcoholism, I'm just giving you fuel for the fire, so to speak, you know. Um, and, and when I was in high school, or no, elementary is when it started, the integration process started in Dallas. And, um, and it was a bad deal for the kids because what it, what it amounted to, our school wasn't interested in people from outside being there, nor were they interested at all at being there. And it caused real problems. And um, I, I got in a lot of fights. I was expelled from school. I, it was just not a good thing. And so it kind of paints this picture of kind of where I was at, you know. And um, Those were kind of the backdrops. And, and what I do want to share is, you know, the book talks about um, this being a disease and an allergy of the mind, you know. And, and, um, and I agree with all that, but I am absolutely 100 convinced that it's genetic you know that my grandpa was an alcoholic I got two cousins that are alcoholics I think my brother's an alcoholic um, I my dad may have been an alcoholic and so it ran in the family you know it was there it was present and um, so anyway I <laughs> When I got into junior high school, I was pretty rebellious and, and a little on the crazy side, and my brother had bought uh, my, myself and David Nafa, who is also a dear friend of mine. I talk to him all the time. He still lives in Dallas, just a wonderful man. Bought us a 12-pack of beer, and we just got shit-faced drunk as heck, and we were 13, 14 years old. And, um, and, and, and I hear this said in these rooms all the time, I couldn't wait to do it again. You know, that's the insanity of this thing. And um, I took alcoholism, and I ran with it when I was a kid. I mean, the drinking and drugging was just out of control. If, if I wasn't drinking and drugging, I was in school, and, and if I wasn't drinking and drugging, I was playing sports. And everything else revolved around drinking and drugging, you know? And that's, and that's what I kind of knew. And, and I, as I had mentioned, um, I never drank socially. It was always about getting fucked up, you know? And if you can't keep up with us, get on out, you know? And, and that really was the way we behaved, man. It was nuts, you know? Um, 
somehow I got out of high school. I don't know how, but I did. Somehow I was accepted to UT. Um, and the requirements, trust me, were a lot less when I went than I would have never gotten into it. I mean, no fucking way. I mean, I, uh, anyway, I, I, I got into UT and um, really the, the drinking and using, if it could at all, escalated even more. I mean, it was, it was out of control then. It was crazy. Um, you know, I, I'm not a big drunk log guy. And, and, and all the drunkologues that I have shared, all my 7 a.m. guys have heard the shit before, so you'll probably hear it again. Mm-hmm. But I've got a half a dozen just stories that, you know, kind of describe who I was when I was drinking and using, you know? And I was out of my mind. I really was, you know? Um, you know, one in particular that does come to my mind, um, and I was in college at the time, we were down in South Pottery Island, and. And I'll have a little footnote with this. Um, I go to South Potter. I try to go down there regularly. I was just down there with my girls three weeks ago. And, man, that is a close-knit AA community. I mean, I just love it. Salt of the earth, blue-collar, just good, solid people. And I make a living amends when I go down there because I used to raise hell. I mean, it was just it was, it was stupid. Really. And so, anyway... Um, we were down there, I was in college, and, and um, I was driving, of course, and got pulled over, and I was absolutely out of my mind, and I just kind of spilled out onto the sidewalk, and <coughs> wasn't a sobriety test, I mean, I, they, they couldn't, I mean, they barely got me in the back of the car, apparently, and um, did a breathalyzer, blew a, it was like .269, something like that, and it was, I was drunk. And um, um, spent the night in the jail, and I got out. And this was, I think, like an '84, so maybe '85. And um, I stood before the judge. It was a woman, um, and she let me out on our, her, my own personal cognizance. But uh, she was standing there, and it was the strangest thing. She had a, a, a mop with her, you know, and I wasn't sure what that was all about. She said, you're free to leave, but you can go clean the, you know, the, the jail cell before you leave. And, of course, I urinated all over the place and just made an absolute mess of myself and totally gonzo out of control. You know, and that, that's the way I was. You know, and I'm certainly not proud of it, but, I mean, I am, I am fully aware, you know, that that's, that's the way I used to drink and drug, you know. Um, during that time, I met my soon-to-be bride, um, Kirsten, and um, wonderful lady. Um, we're not married now, but she still is an incredibly fine, fine woman and the mother of my children. and just an exceptional woman, and I uh, just love her to death. And she is, you know, with this Shelby thing, she has been just right there, you know. And actually, I say that. She's been in Michigan. It's been it's been um, helpful helpful for her to be away because of the codependency thing. And I hate that fucking word, but that whole codependency thing um, with her and Shelby. So anyway, she's just she's a wonderful woman. Um, but I grad. Don't ask me how I graduated. I was telling Francine this. You know, I 
I got a major in beer drinking and pot smoking and a minor in geology. So, uh, and, and I still believe that, you know, it's crazy. You know, I don't know how the hell I got out of that place, but I, they probably just didn't want me around, you know. You're done, dude. But I got that little old thing that I can put on the wall, which I don't. But anyway, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that. At the time, um, it was in 1988, and there was no jobs in the oil industry, and I chased my then-girlfriend, Kirsten, up to Maine, and I helped her and her dad in this business, and um, I hated it. I fucking hated Maine. And so I came back to um, uh, Dallas, and I couldn't believe it. She chased me back there, and so I figured the next five things get married, right? So <laughs> that's what we did. And um, I, I don't know. I, don't get me wrong. She's a wonderful woman, but the relationship was built on you know, drinking and drugging, lots of acid. They, we used to buy acid on the drag, you know, where we called them drag worms. You know, you could buy the buy the LSD on the drag, and we did that all the time. The 100th anniversary of um, UT, they had the big parade, and we were tripping out on Golden Key up on the 13th floor of Dover. You know? <laughs> Crazy stuff, you know. Anyway, that the relationship was not built on a firm foundation. <laughs> so, um, and, 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 but it is what it is, right? So um, we got married, and we got pregnant immediately. And we were very young, and um, thank God she was an alcoholic, you know? Um, That would have been a fucking disaster, you know? And I had, uh, and of course, the moron that I was, I mean, I kept on going, you know, I was full, full, I was just full throttle at that time. And we had our beautiful daughter, Haley, and, um, you know, one of the, one of the crazy stories was, uh, uh, I mean, we decided to go down to South Padre Island <laughs> and, uh, and she, I promised her I wasn't going to drink. I am not going to drink. I've told this story in 7 a.m. a million times, but it's, and I keep saying, you know, I wish I had new stories, but it's the only stories I've got. You know, I can't, I can't make any more of. So, um, thank God I don't have to. You know? <laughs> Lord have mercy. Um, and we get on a plane, we get on Southwest, we go down there, and I mean, I was patting myself on the back. I didn't have a no booze on that plan. I just couldn't believe it, you know. And, but we went to this restaurant, and sure enough, you know, I, I went ahead and had a drink. And um, I know this sounds, I don't remember anything really else of those three days. And, and I came to um, two or three days down the road, and Kirsten wasn't there, and, and Haley wasn't there. And, and of course, there were no cell phones at the time. <clears throat> And I was scared to death. I had no idea what was going on, you know. And she finally called me, and I said, well, "Where in the hell are y'all at?" She and she couldn't find a rental car, so she rented a goddamn U-Haul truck and went home. Got the hell away from me, you know. And that—that—that's who I was. I mean, it was crazy stuff, you know. I—I I mean, I have got stories that will go on and on and on like that. That just 
in a way it's embarrassing, but in another way it is just like, God, I don't have to fucking do that anymore. You know, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, fast forward a few years and the drinking kept on going on and on and on. And um, Kirsten figured she was going to leave a little while, let me try to figure some stuff out. And, and of course, that was time for me to drink a drug like I was 16 again or something. And, and um, I had a business, you know, I, I failed to mention, I, you know, I, thank God, I, I started a business in 1991 because I was fired because of drinking. <laughs> and um, I still own the same business, you know, which is crazy, you know, 28 years later. Um, but I, I had this business and I had the, I mean, my employees are crazy. I mean, it's drillers and roughnecks. And um, the guy's name was Robert F. He was an employee of mine. He knew where to get some good stuff. Uh, let's go, you know. And so we went over to this, um, for lack of better terms, a crack house. <laughs> and um, I spent about 48 hours at this place with uh, Robert and... I mean, some crazy, I mean, I was just as crazy as everybody else, but it was a pack of crazies, you know, and um, 48 hours later or so, um, loud knocks on the door, um, police were at the door, and there were police everywhere, and I was in the back room, um, and I don't, I mean, this is just so crazy, and it kind of ties in with some other stuff. I was so amped up and so fucked up, and I just had this presence of mind that I'm going to open that window, I'm going to kick the screen out, I'm going to slither out, <laughs> and I, which I did. I went through the bushes. I walked through the grass. I saw these three squad cars sitting there and police standing around everywhere, and I just kind of walked over to my car and got in and drove off. <laughs> I can't. I cannot make that shit up. I, I was scared to death, man. I, mean, I was. I was pretty scared, and I, I got back to. Um, got back to the house, Kirsten and. Kirsten and uh, Haley were in Michigan at the time, and Shelby was about to be born, um, and. I just knew I couldn't do this shit anymore. Um, and this was March 26 of 1995. Mm -hmm. And I looked in the yellow pages, and um, there was a, I don't know why, I just, well, I know why, because it was off Alpha and Midway, which is kind of close to where I live. I thought, okay, I'll call that place. And uh, it was a place called First Step, and I went over there, and I saw this guy, his name is Frank L., and Frank L. is still around to this day. And um, I went in there shaking like a leaf. I didn't know what the... I mean, I had no, I had, I had no idea what 12-step recovery was. I mean, I didn't know what the hell y'all are talking about. And, um, he told me that I never had to drink again uh, one day at a time. And I just looked at him like he was crazy. What? You know, it didn't make any sense. And um, I immersed myself in that program. And um, I was, I found out about a week and a half later, and this is kind of the weird twist of it all, was they had this big contract with um, the Texas Department of Corrections. And so here I was, this white boy, 
with these ex-cons. You know, I said, what in the fuck am I doing here? You know, what's going on? And, and it dawned on me in about two weeks that it was kind of God doing for me. This is exactly where you need to be, boy. You know, because I, I mean, it was really the yets, a lot of yets. I mean, I very well should have been locked up or boxed up. I mean, I just was on a, well, I was 26 years old, 27 years old, so I mean, I was on a, you know, a good 12-year run. So, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I immersed myself in that program. I got a home group, and um, I was working this deal. I had a couple years of recovery. Um, I actually had a sponsor, um, but I didn't, I wasn't connected at all. I mean, it, um, I would go to my meetings, you know, um, I would shoot, you know, show up, suit up, but the minute the bell rang, man, I was out the door, you know. And I worked the first five steps, you know, with David B., David Bonman, and he's now in New Mexico and still alive and builds Halloween um, haunted houses of all goddamn things, ships them all over the place, you know. Um, anyway, um, David is still around, and... Um, he took myself and this other guy out to lunch, and I thought we were just going to sit there and yak up a storm, you know. And, uh, and apparently, I, I don't remember his name now. That eludes me. Um, David said, if you don't work any more of the steps, you will get drunk. Said, okay, whatever, dude, you know. And, <laughs> um, and I just kind of flip it. Fuck it, you know. Okay, you know, that's okay. And... Um, <clears throat> Fast forward a little bit, um, we got super busy at our business. I mean, just blessed busy. And I had a bunch of clients that had offices in Dallas, that had offices down here. And um, I decided to open another office. You know, thought that was a great idea. And, um, and I can tell you right now that my sobriety was not on the top of the list. You know, it was material bullshit, um, and it was my business, and kind of sort of the family. You know, they were, they were just there. You know, and at the time, I had injured myself and started taking Vicodin. And um, you know, I'll tell you something. That that drug is fucking evil. I mean, it is. For me, it's just like booze. It really is. I mean, it, it triggered that compulsion. And, and at the time, I don't, again, I'm, I'm not a, I don't think it's a, it wasn't a scheduled narcotic like it was back then. I mean, it wasn't, I, whatever the schedules are now, but I mean, you can call up, send MRIs. I had like 10 doctors all over the place. I mean, it was crazy. And you know? I was just taking them like, like no, no tomorrow. And um, eventually I started to drink. And um, I took that first drink. This was in 2001. And um, I lasted about, um, about nine and a half months. And it was hell on wheels. And you guys told me that this was a progressive disease. And that it was progressive, even if I wasn't drinking the drug, and it was progressive. And I am here to tell you, you are right. <laughs> um, I was, um, 
I was getting up, taking Vicodin, I was drinking. I mean, and I had this business going on. We built this fucking crazy house, this huge house, you know? I mean, it was just all about the material stuff. It was about the business. It was, and I had totally lost focus on everything you guys taught me. I mean, it was crazy, you know? Um, and it spun out of control really, really, really quickly. Um, I remember 9-11, um, they were doing the punch-out. The contractors were in this house doing the punch-out. And it was 9-11 on the TV set, and I was so out of my mind. I just looked like it, you know, and went, went to the mailbox. You know, I didn't care. My wife was barely holding on to a thread at the time, you know, and um, she said, maybe you should go to AA again. And, and this, is, this is the insane part of this disease is that, and I cannot make this shit up, I forgot everything y'all taught me. I, mean, I, can't, I can't make that up. I mean, so here I was in a phone book again, and I was looking under addiction. And I found a guy, and, he, some people, and he's passed now, so I'll say his last name, Butch Munden. Um, he was an addiction specialist, one of the best addiction specialists in Texas. Um, and called him up and said, I gotta go come see you, you know? And, and, and he told me, you know, things have not changed, Matt. <laughs> you're, right, you're right where you need to be. And, um, you know, we're, we're waiting for you. And, uh, and that is not what I wanted to hear. I thought there was some magic potion y'all put together in nine months. I mean, that's how fucking nuts I was. I, I can't make this up. And, and I walked out of there, and I went across the street and got a pint of vodka, and I took my Vicodin, and I drank it, and I, everything was good again, you know, and I'm off to the races. And, and I don't want to run out of time, that's for sure, but... My second bottom was, and again, I, I can't explain any of this stuff. I thought it was a really good idea to shoot some firearms in my backyard. <laughs> and, I, and it scared the, it, it scared my wife to death. I mean, she flipped out. <clears throat> Rightfully so, right? And um, <laughs> Crazy, right? <clears throat> um, she left. Yeah, she said, I'm gonna go and whatever you need to do and, and um, I thank God I said, Great, you're out of here and I ran over to my office. I had an office and I didn't I didn't share this because it's just there's just so much stupid shit in this stuff. And I, I bought a warehouse that had an apartment above it so I could drink. You know, I didn't have to go home. I could just go upstairs and drink. And I went there and I drank and I passed out. I came back to the house. I drank some more, and I was going to watch the Big 12 championship. It was Colorado and Texas, and I passed out again. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was all alone. And I, you know, I just, it was that, um, I was sitting, it was so, I mean, the, the circumstances were so crazy because I had everything material that I'd ever want, but I was so spiritually bankrupt, man. I mean, I was fried. And I remember I was kind of remorseful, too, because George Harrison had just died, you know, so I was all fucking freaked out about that, too. And that, didn't, that didn't help at all. And um, so that next day, I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go to a meeting. 
I'm going to go check out a meeting, and I went to. Um, uh, I'm going to. I'm going to back up really, really quickly. You know, the that first time I got sober was the educational variety of the spiritual experience that you guys talked about. You know, it, I could not wrap my head around it, but then after about six months, I realized I don't have this compulsion to drink, and that is my spiritual experience that I didn't have to drink. But this second time, I went to that noon meeting at, at Westlake, and um, I picked up a chip, and I saw the, uh, the steps on the wall, and um, I was fucking home. I mean, I was home, and I walked out on that balcony, and I knew I was not going to drink. And so I had this, I like to call it a burning bush, I don't know what y'all call it, but the compulsion to drink and use left me immediately that day. And I, I can't explain that. That was December 2nd, 2001. It just gives me a chills thinking about it, man. It's crazy shit, you know. It really is. Um, I don't know if I'm going to read this other stuff. My favorite page also is page 30 in here, man. That, and the guys in the, in the uh, 7 a.m. price sick and tired of listening to this one, too. But I'm going to hold off on that right now it's just so I can talk about my, the steps, you know, and about what, what has transpired in my life now. You know, I, there was a cat that used to run the inner group, uh, Clint C., Great guy, curmudgeon like a bitch, but he's a good guy, <laughs> and I love him to death. And so I, he wanted me connected, you know, and so he had me over there all the time, and, and he said, I'm going to be your sponsor, and I was fine, okay. And, um, you know, he took me through the first two steps, which I had no problem at all with, man, none. And um, he had this special little bench. Francine, I think... I think I've told Francine this stuff, too. Um, she's just a dear friend of mine. Um, and um, he had this little bench over at Zilker Park that he had always liked to go to. Mm -hmm. And so we, we would go over there, and um, we did our third step there. And um, I got to do the third step prayer with a man. I held his hand. I never held anybody's fucking hand. I mean, that's crazy, right? But it gave me this connection, this feeling that, you know, that I belonged, you know, that there was something more to this than just not drinking, you know, because that's kind of what I thought when I first came in, that first go-round. Um, and, and we did the third step prayer. Um, and he, he told me that I had to start on this fourth step immediately. And what I loved about Clint, and, and I do the same thing with, with guys that I'm so lucky to sponsor, is um, I don't use the 12 and 12, and the 12 and 12 is a great book, um, but I just use the big book, and I go straight from the big book. And, um, you know, he had me work on step four, started with step four, um, and, and I just love the way he went through it, you know, I mean, you know, he did it in four parts, you know, the first part on page 64, in dealing with resentments, we set these on paper, and it's just black and white here, I mean, we listed people, institutions, principles, you know, <clears throat> told me to turn the page, man, go to page 67, you know, and we're going <clears> to, <throat> when it's your fault, we're going to write those down, and it says right here, when we saw our faults, we listed them, we placed them before us in black and white, I mean, it's as simple as, I just love how simple this book is. I mean, it's just not fucking rocket science. It really isn't. I mean, it's so 
I mean, I think it's divinely written. I really do. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, the third part of it is our fear inventory. I talk about it on page 68, man. You know, uh, we reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, you know. And lastly, the dreaded sex inventory, you know, page 69, you know. We reviewed our own conduct over the past years. Where have we been selfish, dishonest, and considered whom had we hurt? And um, I did a fifth step with uh, on that same bench, Zilker Park. And um, I did not get the relief that, that I heard a lot of people talk about. I mean, mo- it, was, it, it was a good exercise for me, and I really thought it was a good thing. Um, but I didn't get the relief that, that some people talk about. And he had me go back, you know, exactly like the big book says, page, you know, 75, you know, we reviewed what we have done. I mean, have we skimped on anything? You know, and if we if we have, then we do step six and seven. And, and another thing I say in my seven o'clock meeting, which I probably should not say this as much, but I really believe that, you know, the people that wrote this book made it only two paragraphs. So you don't bog down on it, and you can get to step eight and nine and start helping people. I mean, that's just the way I look at it. You know, you can go to the... Um, the 12 and 12, man, you can get bogged down that some bitch all day long, and, and, and which is good. I'm not, I'm not discounting it, but it, it, you can get kind of bogged down, especially six and seven, man. I mean, because my, you know, my character defects are right there on the surface all the time, and thank God I can recognize them, you know. And so we did the six and seven. We did some uh, step, you know, the, the prayer, and um, did number eight, which. You know, I love this about, you know, people talk about making this list, you know, and, and we've done that list when we did our inventory. We've already done it, you know, and what was so awesome about Clint was that he was so thorough and so loving about going through this list, and if I'm going to hurt other people in the process, we exit it out, you know. And I would have never done that. Fuck, I would have just gone running through there, you know, and created more chaos, you know, and I didn't have to do that. You know, Clint held my hand, and, um, you know, the majority of my amends were family members, friends, and employees, and, um, and they're living amends, you know, and amend is an action, and it's, it's not going out there down, bug and sorry, you know, it's, it's, what am I going to do about it, you know, I'm, are you... I'm not drinking and drugging anymore, and how can I make this right? And that is huge. And and Clint taught me that, you know, and it is that simple. And um, there was one, I keep looking at the clock, I don't want to run out of time. Um, um, There was one in particular, and I've, I've said this shit many times, but it was so powerful to me. One of the people on my list was Jim Hillhouse. And Jim Hillhouse was my old boss the one that fired me. And he was in, he was right there, you know. And um, I'm not proud of this at all, but when I started my business, I was buying stolen materials that I knew were his. And so, <laughs> <laughs> not, not, very, not very cool. And, uh, but, I mean, there it was on my ninth step. And I couldn't hide from it. And so we came up with a dollar amount, which was more than I really wanted. And, and I drove up to Dallas 
and I and I asked to speak to Mr. Hillhouse, and um, I said I was on a spiritual journey. Didn't tell him anything about AA. Just you know, I'm on this spiritual journey, and I got to make some shit right, and I want to give you this check and let you know what I've done. And and I mean, I just floored this cat. I mean, he's like, what are you doing in here anyway? You know, it's crazy. Um, and he cashed that check that night. <laughs> And I don't blame them, you know. I mean, I, I would too, you know. But the, but the beauty and the miracle of this, and I say this every every ninth month, for probably 17 years in a row now, you know, is that he is a really good customer of mine. We do a, we do a lot of his business. It's crazy, man, how God works like that. You know, it's, companies called Alpha Testing, and they do. We do a lot of their overflow work. Jim is kind of semi-retired now, but. You know, he's got a lot of guys that work for him, and we do a shitload of their work, you know. And, and I think it's the miracle of this program that that can happen like that, you know. Um, crazy, right? Um, so anyway, I, you know, I want to talk just real quickly, and I'll close it up. Um, just, you know, step 10, 10, 11, 12, these maintenance steps that you guys always talk about, you know, and, and tell me about. Um, you know, that idea that if I'm in the wrong, I've got to clean my side of the street up. I've got to admit my wrongs, and I've got to get out and help somebody. You know, and that's, that's, that's my solution today. And then, of course, step 11. I mean, God, you know, the prayer and meditation. I, and I know it, it took 16 and a half years, 16 and three quarters a year for me to finally start meditating. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually... I can actually sit down and be quiet for a little while and just kind of let go, which, I mean, I could never fucking do that. I mean, I've just spin it out all the time, you know, and, and it has been so helpful. It's been unbelievable for me. Um, and then step 12, you know, that um, through this process, you know, that we can help other people. You know, today, I can honestly say you know, that sobriety is the most important thing in my life. I mean, there's no doubt about it. My 7 a.m., um, kind of a men's meeting now. No girls go to I don't know what that's all about. But, I mean, it is the most solid group of guys and women on this earth. And, I mean, it doesn't matter what is going on with me, thick and thin, you know, deaths, divorces, you know, kids going to rehab. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. They're there, you know, and I, and I see them here. I mean, it's just, I am, it's just unbelievable. Um, the fellowship for me is where it's at, you know, um, that I can wake up and suit up, not have to drink today, and there's never, ever a day that doesn't go by where I don't at least talk or text somebody in AA. I mean, it's just. So goddamn lucky, man. I just, I am just the luckiest guy in the world that, uh, that I get that opportunity today. And you, get, you guys taught me this stuff. I mean, that's the, the awesome thing about it. So I really appreciate y'all's time. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thank you.